0: This year, make your holiday dreams come true at TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and HomeGoods. The shelves are super stocked and the prices totally rock. Cashmere sweater for mom? Check. A remote-controlled car? Check. The perfect handmade chessboard for your genius BFF? Check and mate. And that's just the beginning. Stores near you are packed with amazing gifts, so you'll spend less and gift better. Endless selection. Great prices all season long at your TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and HomeGoods.
1: Hi, this is Bob Costas, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter.
2: The ML Sports Platter, back with you all over the major platforms Spotify, Google, and Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, wherever you get your podcasts on your smartphone device. Just look for that little podcast icon, for example, on an Apple phone. It's a purple podcast button. You tap it. And of course, you hit search, type in ML Sports Platter. And uh, subscribe, download, leave a five-star review and some feedback as well. We are brought to you by our great friends at the Allen Angus Pub, Sit Means Sit Syracuse, and Empower Federal Credit Union. Log on to EmpowerFCU.com today. That's EmpowerFCU.com. Tell you what, you need to have that peace of mind. And so Empower can do that as a top-notch credit union. EmpowerFCU.com. Also, a big tip of the cap Uh, Just a recent announcement, Western New York OTB and Batavia Downs Gaming back with the ML Sports Platter in 2021 after a wild, weird Corona 2020 year with a horse racing kind of like, I guess we backed into the horse racing year, right? We kind of reversed the Triple Crown, no fans, at a ton of the tracks, obviously, Saratoga wasn't the same. This year, we're hoping is much different, right? We're trying to get out of this coronavirus thing. It looks like horse racing is pretty much on a regular calendar, and I could not be happy uh, happier to have Ryan uh, and and his team back on. Uh, we're going to be talking regularly with Todd Height, the Handicapper and Horse Racing Insider. Make sure that you get to Off-Track Betting in Western New York, westernotb.com, and all the OTBs throughout New York State. You can bet online as well, Batavia Bets, uh, account wagering, locations, promotions, wagering guidelines, all of it at westernotb.com, Western New York OTB, and Batavia Downs Gaming, uh, proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Well, the book is out, major bookstores, uh, uh, Amazon.com, online where books are sold. Make sure you go get it. It is remarkable. 25 years ago. (laughs) Is it possible? 1996 was a heck of a year in sports. A biography reliving the legend-packed, dynasty stack, most iconic sports year ever. And the author joins us now, John Finkel, to chat about this crazy, unbelievable time of Tiger, and Gretzky, and Kobe, and Jordan, and the Yankees, and the Bulls, and the Rock, and Stone Cold, Muhammad Ali, and the Olympics in Atlanta, Happy Gilmore, Space Jam, what a time it was in 1996, and hey, John Finkel, if we were all only 25 years younger right now doing this interview, right, how are you, man, congrats on the book,
1: thank you for having me, we'd have on our our game hat, and our starter jackets, and it'd be awesome,
2: (laughs) starter jackets, I would probably still, let's see, 96, I was 17 years old, I was in my glory as a teenager um, uh, watching my favorite teams dominate, watching my favorite uh, coming of age athletes dominate. Tiger Woods, uh, the Chicago Bulls, MJ was my guide. It was just a couple years before that uh, I saw four years actually, uh, MJ and the Bulls had just won two titles. It you know, was just the dream team, and they came to Syracuse to play an exhibition against the Nets. Uh, the Yankees won their first World Series in '96. We had the Olympics, 1996. A biography, reliving the legend, pack, dynasty, stack, most iconic sports year ever. I want to start with this. When do you think '96 really took off?
1: Um. So when I went, you know, I remember I, I was a senior in high school when uh, when '96 was, was around, right? So I, that was a transformative year for me. Graduating high school, you know, summer going
2: off to college and yeah, all that. Yeah. So we're like the, we're we're the same age, you and I basically yeah we're yeah. about the same age yeah. so when I look at it and and I think back
1: on it I always the time you don't really know I kind of refer to it in the book as like an embarrassment of sports riches as you're going through the year and so I think for me when the year really took off is when Shaq decided to go to the Lakers because around this time if you, if you kind of think back for those of us listening who are around our age like the year started with an amazing, like New Year's Day bowl games, where you have, you know, Spurrier, Florida, and Bound of Florida State, and Osborne, you know, Nebraska, three giant legends, and Tommy Fraser, and all these guys basically duking it out for, at that point, team of the decade. All those three football teams, uh, programs had pretty much won almost all of the titles that year uh, for the decade. Then you've got like right into the Super Bowl. The Cowboys were really the last time America's team was ninety six, and they were going for their, you know, their third Super Bowl. With, you know they had Dion now on the team. They had Michael Irvin, Troy, and Emmett, and all those guys. And then you kind of roll right like two days later. Magic Johnson made his comeback after the AIDS thing, which you know his hiatus from that was such a big deal. It was, it was transformative for, for us as far as you know that that could happen and, and, and losing him for all his time for the NBA. And then it just got rolling. You had Iverson in the NCAA tournament. You know you had Kobe getting. You know you know you're starting to hear about him a little bit uh, heading into the draft. And then when Shaq. Uh, You know, when Shaq gets traded, it's like, so everything's changing, basically, right? Because right around then, uh, right before then, you have a guy named Jeter debuting for the Yankees. So, you know, he played (laughs) a little bit the year before, but there was hype now. Griffey signed the biggest contract in the history of baseball at that time. So it's like everything was just fired up. And then, you know, you were leading into the summer, which we can talk about. But you've got, you know, the draft of Kobe and Iverson and then the Olympics and all this other stuff going on. You
2: know what's remarkable is... You know, people love, some people love, not everybody. I, I certainly love it. I love the Mount Rushmore talk. I love the discussion yeah. of the four, no matter how you look at it, to try and figure that out. The fourth one's always the hardest, and the era, and the impact, and the, the greatness, and all that sort of thing. You know, I bring up lifetime sports, Mount Rushmore. Mine probably is Jordan, Gretzky, Woods, and I probably Tom Brady at this point. But the overall sports... Mount Rushmore is obviously incredibly difficult but if you narrow it down it's tough to not put three three of the four guys on that thing had huge impact in 96 I mean think about that right like Tiger That's, yep. right like that that time like Tiger coming on the scene and then eventually winning the Masters the year after Tiger Jordan and Ali raising the torch in Atlanta remarkable yeah and, and it even gets better you've
1: got you know the, the probably, you know the most beloved for sure whether you argue Trout or Bonds or whoever was maybe better but for sure the most beloved baseball player in the last forty years Griffey had the contract but not only that it was an election year Nike did that great campaign of like Griffey in ninety six running for president he was everywhere right like Griffey was all over the place you have you know arguably again in terms of popularity and who people root for you know, Favre comes out at the beginning of that football year. So whatever Mount Rushmore you're putting on of, you know, popular, gritty, kind of gutty quarterbacks, Favre's on there. Yeah. That was the year that 96, he'd come back from rehab. Like, he was the MVP the year before, came back from rehab, obviously led them all the way um, in the regular season in the Super Bowl following in early 97. But 96 was his year. He ran the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was on the cover a few times. Um, so as you kind of roll through that year and think about all the stuff that happened, um, Stone Cold – and The Rock both made their WWF <laughs> debuts that year. You can't imagine a world, you know, where those two guys aren't around, whether in wrestling and entertainment and all that kind of stuff. Uh, tennis, you know, Venus. That was the first time she faced Steffi oh, Graf. Yeah. It was like her first
0: yeah.
1: huge time where one of the Williams sisters went on, the, uh, you know, on a main stage in, in Manhattan Beach Open, and, and that was like an incredible, incredible moment and kind of a thing of the future to kind of look at what was going to you know, come for everything. You know, like you said, Dream Team Three, Agassi. Probably the last tennis player, at least Americans have cared at all about, wins the Olympic gold medal after kind of having a bit of a stumbling block before that. But that was a huge moment. It's easy to look like make that a footnote for the year. But I guess he was a megastar, oh, right? And then, you know, we're leaving out the biggest, you know, we mentioned Ali, but like Tyson fought three times in 1996. So it's just it's every time you turn around and mention any big name that's affected sports in the last, let's say, 50 years, they had something going on, but to your point, of the king of the mountain of all the sports, yeah, you have Tiger. You got Gretzky going to the Rangers. You've got Jordan doing his thing, Griffey doing his thing. I mean, you could arguably say, like, maybe six or eight of the top 10 athletes of the last 50 years all had big moments in 1996.
2: It's remarkable. There's no doubt. And you, you bring up Griffey, and, you know, I grew up and and still am a diehard Yankee fan. I know you're from Boston, so we'll, we'll try to keep it civil. Um, <laughs> but, you know,. I, Griffey was, looking back on it now, Griffey was the Michael Jordan of baseball for a short time. He was the guy, he was just do it. He was the guy jumping over the walls. You know, he was the guy hitting bombs to the moon. He was, for a very, very short time in that Mariner uniform, John, he was, to me, as spectacular as any athlete on the baseball field. He would remind you of, you know, right to left with the ball with Jordan, uh, you know, the, the the pirouette dunking, the leaping from the foul line. I mean, G- Griffey did all of those things in a baseball form. He was remarkable.
1: Griffey is responsible for, I don't know how many millions, we'll call it tens of millions of dudes our age wearing their hat backwards. He's yes. the reason yep. that we wore a hat backwards. He's the reason you had, you know, that you, know, you wanted to mimic his, his beautiful swing. And then I would even go a step further and say, you know, he was the only guy. He was literally the only one who, when you looked at the, you know, the smile, the baseball cards, the whole thing, he was the only guy I thought who was even on par with Jordan. And I have a great scene in the book. You know, I, I did, you know, as you can probably tell, you know, years of research, obviously, having lived it, but then finding all the old magazine articles and interviewing people and finding all the you know, the old documentaries and behind-the-scenes footage and stuff. And there was an amazing uh, exchange that happened a little bit before um, 96. I think it was a 95 All-Star game. Jordan was there playing you know he was just there visiting but he was on actually the, the barons the, for the white Sox at the time and there's an awesome I'll, I'll find it and we can link to it later but there's an awesome video of jordan um seeking out griffey to get him to sign a bat and he was <laughs> like yeah, yeah check me out we should hang out we should talk later and for me watching it i hadn't seen it i, I unearthed it through some pretty some you know clever <laughs> research reaching out um wow. when i saw that the, the 16 or 17 year old me like my mind was blown because we didn't have twitter or any of these things where videos just show up uh, I had no idea that video existed, and obviously if it happened nowadays, and, you know, who knows who it would be if uh, LeBron was in the locker room and got, you know, Mike Tribe's autograph or something, we would know about it instantly, and there'd be video and photos everywhere. But that's been buried for 25 years, and it's amazing.
2: No question. John Finkel with us on Twitter at John underscore Finkel. That's at J-O-N underscore F-I-N-K-E-L. Make sure you give him a follow, johnfinkel.com, the website, the book out, amazon.com, major bookstores. And online where books are sold, 1996, a biography reliving the legend-packed, dynasty stack, most iconic sports year ever. My goodness, from Griffey to Tiger to Agassi to Graf to uh, Muhammad Ali in the Olympics and on and on it goes. Uh, as, as we've mentioned, we'll get into some of the entertainment, some of the music, uh, some of the, uh, the, the the sports center stuff, the movies. Um, you just brought it up, though. And, and as we've talked here for the first, I don't know, 10 minutes or so of the interview, John, all I can think about... Is what happens if social media arrives in ninety nine, you know, 96 ish, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. and all this stuff is going on, and we got Twitter, we got YouTube, we got Griffey, yeah. we got Griffey, not just as the number one highlight jumping up, grabbing a ball over the wall, not just MJ, not just Agassi, not just Tiger Woods. I mean, yeah. what what the hell happens if we've got social media during this year? Well,
1: I'll tell you the, the moment. I think you know people always talk about something will you know break the internet or explode twitter or whatever um and I, space jam came out in 1996 right so another huge kind of cultural touchstone moment obviously lebron's got a new one coming out now um but when michael jordan was filming space jam they built a uh, basically a, a workout headquarters for him it was a big kind of they called it the bubble before our recent bubble from the pandemic <laughs> but they called it the bubble it had a court it had a workout you know it had a gym and all this stuff and every night when Jordan was filming, every basketball player who was on the West Coast flew down there to get a run in, right? And mm-hmm. so you've got – this is Magic, you know, preparing for his comeback, playing there. Jordan, Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley, you know, Patrick Ewing, all the guys who were you know, actually playing, you know, playing a role in the movie. They're all there. So that's one of those things where, like, you know video would be leaked. And there's none of it. They have very few – there's, you know, like – scrambled video and some really small home footage and stuff like that but there's really nothing because it was a Warner Brothers lot and they weren't really allowing anybody to film anything but now I mean we probably have nightly you know nightly summer highlights on you know on Twitter or wherever it would be showing the run at that game what was going on and all that kind of stuff or they'd be live you know do an Instagram live and somebody you know FanDuel would sponsor it or something who knows.
2: Unbelievable. What do you hope people say about the book when they get done reading it?
1: Man, my number one goal is for, you know, the target demo is like all of us, maybe plus or minus 10 years, um, who grew up with all these guys. But really, you know, as I was writing it, I realized it's more than that, because, you know, the signature icons of, to, of today, the play, the guys that the players talk about right now, who they look up to, all were impactful that year. Right. I mean, especially in basketball, you know, you've got Kobe and Iverson, you, arguably two of the maybe three. Or four most transformative basketball players ever in terms of influence, at least the last 30 years culturally. Mm. Jordan doing his thing. You know, they played the, the, the Seattle Supersonics that year with Kemp and Gary Payton. They kind of have created create kind of, kind of a new meme life with all their, the dunks and all that kind of stuff that people have gone through. So mm. I want people to appreciate it and understand that, you know, sports, it's now, but all the guys that are playing now had their favorite players, and all those favorite players they looked up to were all having awesome years in 1996. And it's just like a nostalgic trip back and i'm sure 25 years someone could pick another year to do this is mine i you know someone 10 years younger could be like no actually you know 2000s the year and it was the bronze this and all this kind of stuff and that's fine um it's weird writing this book on the greatest year ever being from boston and like brady's not in it and I, I was even thinking how can i shoehorn him in did he do anything great because he had just gotten to michigan so there was really nothing to write so you, you're right when you said in the beginning the sort of the the main guys that aren't in this at all and um you know, it's it's those guys. It's, you know, the LeBron, the, the younger generation. But you know, Brady just just misses getting, getting into this book, so that hurts. But I really hope people read it, that they kind of get to take a trip back and just get to view another era, a different time. Uh, I think we viewed athletes differently back then. And then just reliving that year, I, I really don't think – and I, I did, you know, research. not like I just wanted to you know be able to defend that year as the only year. I'm sure other years have been great, and I've looked at a few – uh, 2012 had some amazing, you know, things going on back to back. But when you look at the totality of icons mm. who were in the spotlight and little, you know, the little flourishes like Michael Johnson, who had, you know was Usain Bolt before Usain Bolt, but he was an American athlete, so we kind of cared a little bit more. Obviously, here, um, you know, we had the Ali lighting the, the torch, which was amazing, and then the cultural stuff, which you just can't. Can't ignore like Jerry Maguire came out that yeah. year, right? That's show me the money, awesome. baby. Yeah, show me the money. All these yeah. phrases that came out, Tin Cup came out that year. <laughs> Happy Gilmore, <laughs> two of the three best golf movies ever yeah. came out that year. Um, and then also, you know, leagues started. Like the WNBA is becoming really popular. It started that year. I, I talked to Rebecca Lobo for the book. Like it was, wow. it was an exciting time that year. They launched it. They announced it. Her and Lisa Leslie and Cheryl Swoops came out. Had that famous press conference. And now here we are. The WNBA is a big deal. The WNBA is a big deal. MLS had their first game that year. They finally launched that year. I mean, soccer now, we've always joked about it forever. Guys our age, it was like, nobody watches, nobody plays. But the MLS is huge now. And pre-'96, there was no MLS. There was no WNBA. There was no Kobe. There was no The Rock. There was no real you know, Iverson presence. So I think it was a culturally shifting year.
2: You brought up Happy Gilmore um, and, and, and Tim Cup, Tim obviously, and McGuire up. Uh, Go go through one by one, those three, because um, that's where I was going next anyway. It's a perfect transition. What, what made each of those films work, do you think?
1: Yeah, the Happy Gilmore, I, I mean, I love it. I have an eight-year-old son who, we have, you know, we kind of, as he got past like six or seven, um, I've been letting him, you know, Sandler's huge, right? Like, you can watch Sandler at any age, but he's starting to get all the jokes. So but like, do you have
2: to mute it when Bob Barker says the price is wrong? Or uh, when what, Sandler man, says I, he, the price is wrong, I, we live really in a house where I, I've I've I've
1: kind of dropped some of that kind of stuff. I don't say it often or to anybody, but he's heard those <laughs> words, so I don't worry about it. I, he'd be
2: like, "Why are you muting that?" You Moving said that two on, days ago. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's uh, Sandler. I misspoke. Sandler says it right before he yeah. before he punches Barker before he decks Bob Barker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there's actually there's a couple lines in all of his movies where
1: you're like, oh, I forgot that was that right. one line." Even those pieces, but you know he i like to say he's a mature ape, so I don't mind it so okay. much. But my point was I watch it's just It's timeless. The humor is so funny. There's no you – know, I, I remember listening to an interview a long time ago about um, – I think it was with, with Harold Ramis about <laughs> Groundhog Day. And he was like, the reason it keeps working is because there's no – it's not tied to any time or culture. Um, there's no technology you need to know or really references you need to know. Um, and that's kind of what works with Happy Gilmore is – you don't need to know anything about even golf. You don't even need to know anything beyond the premise. You don't have to, there's no real, you know, inside jokes or, you know, all tons of pop culture references that you have to know at the time. It's just funny. And there's a very Three Stooges-y, which I grew up loving, uh, humor, where there's so much physical humor, and Sandler yelling, and then there's so many lines, you know, know, that you think about, that you quote all the time. (laughs) So to me, it's timeless. It's just a timeless movie, and, you know, you... You know, the line that I always say that I joke say is when um, early on with Ben Bensler's cameo and she's, you know, his mom's like, can you get me a glass of water? And he says, I can get you a glass. Of, shut the hell up. And uh, I paraphrase that with my kids pretty much since they were born. And they, you know, they go to bed and it's like, oh, I'm thirsty. Can I have a glass of water? And In my mind, I never said it. am just is a little. But I think about that in my head every time. Oh, I could. And it's 915. You've been up for a half hour. And uh, those are the kind of lines, and that's why I
2: think it sticks with you. Oh, man. And then Maguire and Tin Cup, uh, the, the, was there a, do you think, a, a, a breaking point, a moment, uh, the takeoff for those two? Why did those work? And and those are timeless, too. I mean, honestly, you go back and watch Jerry Maguire right now, you're like, wow, you know, you look at sports through the last couple decades, man. Like, here we are, you know?
1: Yeah, Tin Cup, um, Tin Cup is one of those, that I think, aged kind of like a, uh, like maybe five years after it came out. It was good in the theater. I think everybody liked it in the theater. Hmm. Um, but as it kind of grew, got on cable, had a second life of its own, and Costner, he nailed it. He did, he did a really good job in, in, the, in the movie. They used, you know, Don Johnson plays a great kind of villain. Uh, in it, and I think it's one of those where you had Renee Russo, who was also in major leagues. It was a kind of tie-in. Guys were used to seeing her as, like, the love interest in a sports movie. Um, I think it's underrated, but whenever, you know, Golf Digest or any of these places come out with their top, you know, golf movies of all time, it's always Caddyshack sort of unassailable as number one. And then it's, you know, happy Gilmore and Tim cup and pick your order. And then for McGuire, I mean, people say phrases. Now you had me at hello, show me the money, (laughs) um, you know, help me help you. Like they don't even know what it's from. You know, it's, it's so, it's so, it's almost like Casablanca in a way where there's 25 Mm -hmm. lines from this movie that when you realize and think about it you're like, well, I just quoted Jerry Maguire for no reason twenty five minutes later. Like, I did it, you know, I'm sure you do it. Like you're helping your kids with homework and you they're like, I don't want to do it. And you're like, look, help me help you get this division. And you're like, I just I just quoted Jerry Maguire for no reason.
2: <laughs> you know, one thing that is I think, John, I don't know how you feel about it, but I think about it a lot. One thing I believe that's missing in our world today Uh, and maybe we show age a little bit by saying this. I'm sure a lot of young people don't really care because they can go to their phone a a minute after and grab any highlight. You can watch anything you want on your phone. You can stream it on an app. You You can go to Netflix and watch this. You can go to Hulu and watch that. You can open up your laptop and watch whatever. We live in a world where we consume our media wherever we want, whenever we want, and however we want. I get that. But there is still something to the highlight show. Da na na da there's something yep. to Dan Patrick, Stuart Scott, there's something to you know Sports Centers and Kenny Mayne and Keith Olbermann and Rich Eisen and you know good and you know Booyah and all that stuff and in wh- how unbelievable Sports Center was, how important was it for 96 and really a few years before and a few years after that while all this was going on ESPN, you know, they were around for almost what two decades at this point, but still, ESPN almost kind of became king right after like the explosion of the Big East and all the other things that were going on that '90s period, early '90s, mid '90s. They became that much more a- of a king. They were the grand show. Everybody, oh, that's a Sports Center moment that we got to tune in at eleven o'clock for the full day. Of, that was a big deal. How important was it? That ESPN Sports Center with those personalities I mentioned—that they were front and center during this time.
1: I think it is as critical as almost the athletes in a certain way because that was our access to what was going on. There was no NFL package, there was no NBA package. Like, forget even Twitter and social media for a minute. I was a Celtics fan, and we moved from Boston to New Jersey my freshman year in high school, and I pretty much didn't watch Celtics games for five years. Right? You watched three games a year. There was, there was, you know, the Thursday night game. Uh, you know, TNT, maybe get an ABC game of the week. And my, my team was terrible back then, which is mostly why. Um, but if you had no way now with them past, fast, you're watching everything. On, on Sunday, till the Sunday ticket came out, again, you know, not that anyone cares, the Patriots were terrible back then. I know now no one wants to talk about them. But I had no way of watching all the Patriots games. You know, if they were, we were lucky if they got a CBS afternoon game. Maybe they were playing. Miami was good, a rivalry or something. But, like, you didn't get to see your team. So that's why guys like you and me, like, we loved Griffey. I, I was talking to this oh. guy, Steve Grad, who's, uh, he was on the show Pawn Stars. I do a section on Griffey about how important the baseball cards were in the book. And he was talking about how, how his, you know, he was from Chicago. Uh, he was, you know, big Jordan fan and all that. And, you know, he was saying that the, the number one most incredible thing about Griffey's popularity is that most people, and he's 100% correct, never barely saw him play. Like, I, when was, you know, we grew up loving Griffey. Do you, do you even remember a live baseball game that you watched him play? Like, never. Yeah. You weren't able to go on MLB, you know, Hot Stove or, you know, MLB. There was no MLB Network. Like, the Mariners were never on television, ever. Maybe they were playing the, Yankee and got the Yankees and got the Saturday afternoon game. So SportsCenter was the only way. The reason we knew why Griffey was so good and all the diving catches and the swing and all that stuff was because of SportsCenter. And, you know, Stuart Scott, Dan Patrick, and Oberman – these guys were the soundtrack and the narrators of our childhood. Like I make a joke in the book that like the order of grown ups that I listened to in my life were all the Sports Center anchors, then my parents. Basically, they, this was the this was the background to every morning I wake up. You know, alarm goes off for school. Sports Center goes on. Yeah. I'm going to bed after I finish my homework. Sports Center's on. Like I remember, and I'm sure you do too. You'd run it back. You'd of watch course. The sports center, yes. And then you just it start over because there'd be later games they put in from the West Coast, and you'd be like, "Oh, so okay, I'll just do it again."
0: <laughs> you
2: know? Yeah, no doubt. And and I think the NFL. I mean, I think all sports, obviously, and especially if you're looking for your favorite team and they win, right? Like a huge game, you can never tire of watching highlights of your team winning. We know that, but the NFL today, I think, above all the other sports, is really the sport where you go. Man, these these highlights are endless. I've seen it, but you know what? Like Monday comes around, and you might be feeding your kid a bottle at like five thirty, and you put on NFL Network, and like more highlights come up from Sunday, and then they're previewing Monday night, and you're like, yeah, well, I'll just rewatch them. I and if you're in media, it doesn't hurt because maybe something said that you can you can use as a talking point or whatever. Well, that all started back with SportsCenter. You know what? It it all started yeah. back then. The rewatching, the living through the highlight over and over again. It, it, that started then.
1: And they framed the story right. So, like one of the best examples of it uh, in the book is so Magic Johnson. Uh, people who are listening maybe a little younger, you know, he you know he got AIDS. He dis- you know he left basketball, which you know medically now we realize he probably didn't have to. He actually got in better shape while he was gone, and, and started the Magic John and all, Johnson All Stars. Ended up the whole chapter in the book. He played more basketball away from the NBA than he did in the NBA. But when he finally came back, he announces it. So, like I said, you have the Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> Then they announced that he's coming back, and his first game's gonna be that next Tuesday. It's a game against the Warriors, a game nobody, you know, nobody would watch this game. The Warriors were okay. I mean, it you know, Harden, Chris Mullen, and Spreewell, some of these guys. But that the reason that was nowadays it'd be like if you're treading on Twitter, it'd be up and it'd almost be oversaturated by the time Magic came back and played, right? Yeah. But the buildup of Magic's is coming back. It led Sports Center that, that that Monday night, right? It was like Super Bowl was over, and that was the coverage, and it was the Cowboys got their third, and Barry Switzer and Troy, but Magic's coming back. Then, you know, TNT moves their whole schedule around, puts the game on TV, but it was a West Coast game. So, you know, how late? I don't remember watching it live. I remember maybe staying up for the intros possibly, but I wasn't up till you know, 2 o'clock or 1 o'clock in the morning to finish it, but... The second I woke up, but, you know, I watched the whole thing. So by the time we got to school the next day, I'd seen all the highlights. Dan Patrick told me what was important about it. Stu Scott mentioned why this was important and what happened and the highlights and what the title used to be afterwards. And so without that back then, we had no access.
2: <laughs> it, it, it's a, it was an amazing time. It, you're right. And and then the late, you know, that late sports center, you get up in the morning, you see if, if there was a huge game and a big recap that for, you knew – If I hit the top of the hour, I'm getting the highlight. I'm getting what I need in five to ten minutes. Today, yeah, we can go to our phone and get it, but sometimes if we're running around or whatever else, we still need a click here, a click there. Isn't it amazing, John, how with the expanded technology and how we have all of these things at our disposal... Sometimes it actually isn't as easy to sometimes click and just see the highlight. Really? No, I mean, in in, in the morning we would get up and it'd be, oh hey, it's six fifty four. Okay, I got quick. Okay, brush my teeth quick. I'm going to see the seven a.m. Sports Center until seven o six. I'm good to go from what I missed last night. We knew it. Today, yeah. yeah, we know we can find it. We know that we can click anywhere and get it. But the reality is. Sometimes we got to watch a streaming video first. Sometimes we got to click a link and it disappears, right? Like, it's crazy. Yeah, and the
1: thing, what you're talking about is what I realize is I actually missed, which is kind of like smart curation. No doubt. Like, I love the idea, and I've actually truly, from writing this book, I have gone back to SportsCenter. I I probably went, I'm going to say a decade without even acknowledging that it's on. I just, just, just know, in my mind, it's like, I follow all the Celtics writers that I want, all the NBA guys that I want, all the all the sports people that I want to follow, and I get my stuff and I go in my stream. But I've noticed what you what you just said is happening a lot more, which is if everybody's posting all the same stuff, you have to sift through so many things to find out yes. you know what may or may not be going on. So I have actually recently gone back. I take you know Van Pelt and I try to watch it in the, in the morning, which I went. You know, I've always everybody loves him, but like I'm not staying up. I get up early to work out, so kids go to school and stuff. So. So I put that on like as I'm kind of get, once I get in and kind of get my breakfast and all that kind of stuff. And I've gone back to that because it's really, really difficult to stay on top of everything. And at a certain point, I, I don't know if it's in a sports center. I'm not, I don't even know the anchors' names or anymore. It's not like they're signature guys. I mean, back in the day, you know, you'd go, you'd know like, oh, Tuesday, it's uh, Sue Scott and Rich Eyes.
0: Yeah. On Wednesday, it was gonna, their you know, night. Yeah.
1: I knew that. Right. Yeah, man. And, yeah. And it's funny when you were talking earlier about the time getting up, my move was always to, I love when I caught it perfectly for me when like, I knew I was going to have a good day. And again, this is such easier times in life, but like if I turned it on and caught right away, the top 10 of the day, and then it rolled into the next sports <laughs> yeah, center starting. Yeah. That was great because I saw the best plays and I was yeah. like, okay, now I know like where we're headed. Yep. And then I kind of saw, it was like getting your dessert first. That to me, was like, oh, if I, and I, you know, you never know when it would happen, but like, Every night you turn it on, it'd be like, you know, ten, play 10. And I was like, oh, boy,
2: this is going to be the best day ever. I'm going to get all 10 highlights first. That's uh, such a good point. Well, you got to go get the book. Major bookstores, online where books are sold, Amazon.com, etc. It's called 1996, a biography reliving the legend Pack, dynasty stack most iconic sports year ever on the 25th anniversary. Amazing that it's gone that fast. The names, the moments incredible tiger Griffey, gretzky the yanks and bulls all the movies happy gilmore and more space jam muhammad ali the olympics the torch the whole deal the cowboys jeter's debut dynasties galore go get it check them out online as well john finkel.com at john underscore finkel on twitter at jon underscore f-i-n-k-e-l and pick up all of his other books as well uh, you can go to the website. I just noticed that you wrote a book on Charlie Ward. I got to pick that up and read it. John Finkel, this was amazing. Thank you so much for jumping on. You were a terrific guest, and uh, man, what a year it was! Thanks for coming out with a book, man.
1: Thank you for having me, and it's it's a pleasure. You're a fellow '96er. I'm glad we got to do
0: this together.
2: What a blast that was, man! Alive, the memories. Whew. Go get the book. John Finkel, terrific writer, terrific author. ML Sports Platter all over the major platforms Spotify, Google, Apple, Deezer, and Stitcher, and many more. Just download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five star review. We are brought to you by Bryant and Stratton College. For every end in life, Bryant and Stratton College. Great locations, of course, and two major ones in Central New York James Street in Syracuse and in Liverpool. Go get your two- and four-year degree options now, bryantstratton.edu. We're also presented by Liverpool Physical Therapy, Hides of Liverpool, Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, and our great, great friends over at Stanley Law Offices. Together, they'll work to get you the maximum award. Visit stanleylawoffices.com for more information. Hit me on Twitter at Sports, As I always tell you, enjoy the games.